0: This is Michael Blackstone with Lee Talk Radio, and today I'm privileged to be with Donna Cobb. She's the director of the Lee County Victim Witness Program, and we have Amy Taylor, the assistant director of Lee County Victim Witness, and then we have Katie Reimer, who is the domestic violence officer for the Lee County Sheriff's Office. So thank you ladies for meeting with me and, and uh, discussing your programs and stuff. So Donna, here's the director. We'll start with you. Tell us a little about yourself, and then we'll talk about the programs. Tell us who is, who is uh, Donna Cobb, for those that don't know.
1: Hmm. Well, if I say what, well, honestly, I'd say I'm Sydney Cobb's mom. Like <laughs> I, I lost my name after I had him, I think. But, um, no, seriously, I started here in 1998. The uh, Sheriff Parsons and, uh, at that time, Prosecutor McAulay, Judge McAulay now, Uh, decided to write a grant for the program that was virtually all over the state and we didn't have one yet. So they wrote the grant, it was approved, I applied for the job. At that time I was a fraud investigator for Department of Social Services. Um, So I started back in 98 and still here and luckily we got, the state got some more funding and we were able to apply for an assistant position and so that's when Amy came on board.
0: And so this is a, this is a, your uh, victim witness is a state-funded program?
1: Well, it's funded by the uh, fines the offenders pay through the courts. And that, it's totally funded by, basically, they commit the crimes and they have to pay for those crimes literally. And those funds go into um, coffers in, at the state level and then they funnel back down to us t- to support our position. So there's no money that the, the counties and, and such put up for us.
0: Awesome. Amy Taylor, tell us a little about yourself.
2: I was hired on the Sheriff's Office almost five years ago as a dispatcher, and then I came here to the Victim Witness Program and been here ever since, and recently I completed the National Advocate Credentialing Program and got that certificate.
0: Awesome. So you you were able to see a lot of calls coming in at the, the very start. As they came through dispatch and then was yes, able to dispatch Yes, yes, and I something. think that
2: position helped me with this job as well.
0: Awesome, and you've been in, and you've been doing uh, in this position as assistant director now for how long?
2: Almost five years.
0: Very good, and now we're switched to Katie Reimer. Yes, Katie, you are a, a uh, with the Lee County Sheriff's Office. You are our domestic violence officer. Yes. So tell us a little about yourself.
3: Um, I've been in this position since March uh, before that I had many years at the regional jail as a corrections officer and seen this job and applied so I've been here since March. Uh,
0: uh, that's awesome. And I understand you are going through the academy in
3: January in
0: January yes. Very good. So <clears throat> tell me about the victim witness program what is the what is the main scope? what do you do for uh the county the citizens in the county um and you know just kind of give a a broad stroke on on what this department does you're functioning you're functioning through uh funded through the state you're you are a a department of yourself but obviously you you're intertwined with the court systems intertwined with the sheriff's office and what other entities (coughs) well
1: you know crime victims come to us from different sources that come sometimes from sheriff's office reports sometimes from citizens and you know we reach back out to them and let's say any morning we go back and look at the calls that come through we will call back victims of it could be a a grand larceny that happened during the night could be a domestic call We'll reach back out and call them, or we'll call the investigators and say, okay, what's going on with this case first before, a lot of times, depending on what it is. And then we'll reach back out to the victims and let them know who we are. You, know, you have victims' rights, um, and just let them know if, let's say it's a domestic situation, that there are protective orders, there are mechanisms to protect you. Uh, maybe not a protection order, but maybe you need extra patrol, and that's all you want is just somebody to drive by your house and make sure this person doesn't, you know, maybe bother them again. It could be that simple. Or it could be, we know this person was arrested last night. Would you like for us to put a jail notification on file with the jail so that you can be notified if they're released? Um, There's just so many things that we can offer them. It just It's on a case-by-case basis.
0: And, and, and Amy, as far as, uh, you know, you've just gone through your training and, and um uh, certification with that that the advo- advocacy so what types of things how would uh how would uh, something like that go on what do you what do you advocate are you a liaison between two entities how do you work in that so you have a so you have a let's say you have a person that's had a some kind of a larceny as Donna was saying in in the county their house has been broken into or, or something um, how would you specifically with some of your training handle something like that what would you be doing
2: well we would um, ask them if they wanted extra patrol we would go back to the protective order um, if they had damages we would um, ask for that information for restitution for a um, court case um, talked about setting up cameras, um, game cameras, things like that.
1: Um, we have a, a victim's fund that yes. can pay for or, or reimburse for things like now. It didn't used to be this way, but but now if, if a person says, okay, we're going to put a camera system in, now we can apply for the Virginia Victims Fund to help reimburse their cost back to them because of the victimization.
0: Now, is that... Um, is the broadband that's been brought into our area the high speed that they're they're still installing um, and so on is that is that helping has it been out long enough for you to to notice yes
2: it is helping Um, now they can get the ring cameras because they have the access to the internet and things like that
1: and it's also helping because we had a lot of victims that had no access to internet and now you know the wi-fi calling and things like that that they can do now we had a lot of victims that simply were were just isolated and couldn't reach out for help i mean yeah
0: it was a- we did a we did a program with uh Dee leonard the uh, uh one of the county supervisors and we were talking about the infrastructure and how if, if a person has a smartphone uh, even the even the basic smartphones they don't have to have you know but the but mm-hmm. basic smartphones have a feature on them where you can activate wi-fi calling so right it's uh and and it interacts with 911, so it's it actually locks in and and can uh it, it doesn't leave you out in the cold so to speak so that's a that's a great benefit for a lot of things but especially in when you've got people that are um you know victims you know let's let's face it if, if you're a victim um you know there's a certain amount of fear factor going on there's a lot of a lot of emotions a lot of there's a lot of things that, that happen uh in that so um
1: and we can text nine one one now as well. <coughs> yes, and while we're talking about the phones,
2: even if they do not have a um, plan service, you know, minutes on their phone, you can call nine one one from any phone, and um, it will still connect for nine one one emergency calling.
1: Okay. And we give out phones here. If victims yes. say during the altercation, so and so broke my phone. Well, we try to keep some phones. We're hoping to apply for. Uh, I think Katie's going to apply for maybe mm-hmm. some funds to try to get some more phones in here. We connect with 911 Cell Phone Bank in Florida, and they have been great about providing some phones, but we have to give them so many old phones, and then they reactivate them and put minutes on them for our victims, and we give those out to victims.
0: So is that something that, that uh, as you've mentioned that, is that something that if a person has an old phone? Um,
1: we would gladly take it. Oh, yes.
0: So phones are good. Good. Yes. Well, that's interesting to know because I've got a drawer full of them. So yeah, is it any phones? any specific phones or just, just phone. let the flip phone, phone company mm-hmm. figure it out from there? Just right. That's that's awesome. So those are, uh, they're reconditioning them, repurposing them, and mm-hmm. then providing them back to your... And
1: then they put minutes on them when they do.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so that helps in, in communication. I know in, in this kind of um, area, communication is everything, being able to connect with people yes. and provide that support and stuff. So how much... How much active open court stuff do you have to get involved in? Are you are you called on the stand or in cases repeatedly? Or
1: we don't usually have to testify. Now, Caitlin, you know, doing the charges, taking out charges on behalf of a victim would have to testify as a witness. We're there as an advocate for the the victim. Every now and then we're called. I hate to say this, but every now and then, you know, defense attorney may say that they're going to use us as a witness and they don't use us as a witness, but it's simply I think, in my opinion, to keep us out of the court. Sure. um, So that we're not there for that victim.
0: So Um, you're you are 100% for victims. So if a a person was to look at you, they're not going to say well, these are you know, these are people that are going to prosecute me. You're there merely to serve and, and help in the protection process of you know, an emotional and, and support process of that victim, is that correct?
1: Right, right. Whatever yeah. they need from beginning to end. If it's walking them from the car into the courtroom and sometimes, you know, Will has Caitlin to do that as law enforcement. And especially after a court case is over, that's mm-hmm. when a lot of times it's kind of volatile out in the hallway. You know, you hope that the other person's gone into the car, but that doesn't always happen. So sometimes she'll escort them all the way to the car.
0: Now is that something where you're where you're helping Support court security,
3: in a scene, yes. Yeah,
0: gotcha. Okay, so uh, let's let's go ahead and uh, let's switch to domestic violence. So the domestic violence uh, for Lee County Sheriff's Office, um, and what do you what do you find? Um, I know that there is uh, so so we'll just go through a process so. Amy, you were, you were with dispatch um, yes. before you came to victim witness. So a call comes in, and then it's sent out to a deputy to respond. The law enforcement can respond. Are you on the front lines of those kind of calls, or are road officers handling things first? When do you actually get involved yourself?
3: Um, majority of the time, if a call comes in like that, the road officers will go... I guess you could say assess the situation first and, you know, see the severity of it. Sometimes it's maybe just something all verbal, and we'll follow up with them in the morning. But there have been times when I'm, you know, it's bad enough to where they need somebody for the victim. And I've went to the hospital with victims before and, you know, took statements from just the victim. So when I get there, that's my only focus, is the victim. Whatever... The bad guys done they can handle but from that moment on my focus
0: is only so you, you so you come on to a uh, we'll just call it a scene you come onto a scene and um the already road deputies or the people who have the deputies who have first responded they're mm-hmm. there they've already assessed that they're providing you that information right. investigators are being called in if needed they'll mm-hmm. be handling at the investigative side right. uh, so that the prosecutor has you know, whatever information, if there's been a crime committed. And then you're basically starting that support for the victim, making sure that they're secure, obviously, as you yes. are law enforcement. And then that information, after you assess and make your reports, then that information goes to uh, Victim Witness Program and then to the Commonwealth or right. wherever it all yes. ties into.
3: Yeah. That's And awesome. most of the time we kind of just tie in together you know and they support me a lot you know and I support them so. right,
1: and and if at the scene or, or after the scene and she assesses things if she feels the need she can press charges she can take yes. the charges out on of half the victim and she can take a, an emergency protection order out for that victim as well
0: awesome so Katie how do you get your how do you get your head in the in that game you you're you're obviously a a a calm lady and and uh quiet so here you get a call you don't kind of totally know i mean you know a little bit about what you're going to and you're you're driving to this call what is going through your mind how are you mentally preparing because let's face it you're law enforcement Mm -hmm. the law enforcement's worst nightmare call they can get is domestic violence related because yes. things can turn on a dime in those situations mm-hmm. so fast. Um, they go from fighting to, to loving and then they're attacking the, the cops, so to speak. And so there's, there's um, besides the fact you're going into the other man or other woman's fort, so to speak, mm-hmm. their home, so they know the lay of the land, you don't. If there's weapons in the house, they know where they're at, you don't. There, there's I mean, there's so many things that could be intertwined in this Mm -hmm. that the deputies may already have contained and controlled, but you still got to have your mind in a certain place. So what do you do to prepare that? What are you thinking of when you're going?
3: Well, I guess, you know, my first thing is I automatically start thinking about the victim. You know, if they're in this situation, I'm going to do this. You know, if it's emergent, how I'm going to get them out of the situation. You know, and I guess a lot of that I can contribute to my experience in corrections of, you know, that really taught me to stay calm under pressure and, you know, be able to handle hectic situations. And every situation is different. You're never gonna be completely compared for what you're walking into because you don't know, you know, the complete facts of it until you're there, so. And most of the time, don't you radio ahead and talk to the officers that Mm -hmm. Yeah, as soon as I leave, like when I get the call from dispatch, um, most of the time, dispatch will tell me all they know and who's there, and if they can answer the phone, um, the other deputies there will call and say, hey, this is what's going on, you know, this is what to be prepared for. Or, you know, there was a case not too long ago where I was going to respond and they said, you know, don't end up coming here, you gotta meet them at the hospital. You know, so, it, I really never know Right. From the time I leave till the time I get there, you know, if I'm going to go there and help get a protective order, or if I'm going to be going to the hospital, I really never know. But the deputies that I work with are very good about informing me. I I would say I never walk into a scene completely blind.
0: That's good. That's awesome. Um, the you know one of the things that I wanted to talk about, in, instead of, uh, is some specifics on. Protective orders, and this is a this is a deal that obviously encompasses everybody, um, both in the domestic violence program and in uh, victim witness through the courts and stuff. So, you know, you're one of the experts in this, Donna. Uh, everybody always refers that type of stuff to you and your and your department. Um, give us a give us kind of a, a broad stroke on what is a protective order so that the people know and uh, and then how, how that formulation goes. What's the process? And, and where I'm coming from is a lot of people, and we're not going to throw names, but it could be, I mean, it's everybody. Um, I, I doubt there's very few people that I could actually talk to that would not say, well, protective orders, that ain't worth the paper it's written on or it's just a piece of paper you know I've always uh, I've always said yes it's just a piece of paper but it does give the officers in law enforcement when a call is made that ability where nobody gets to pass go nobody collects $200 so to speak and law enforcement is able to react without the red tape um, and be able to actually provide protection or assistance but it also is in everybody's mind that look for this piece of paper to be of any validity, I've got to be attacked or I've got to have harm come to me or something like that. So um, explain the, the kind of the process of getting a protective order, what's involved and why is it important if you do have a problem to go forward and, and get that protective order? done through the courts that's a that's a loaded statement yeah, yeah there's a lot to it there's yeah, a lot and to it
1: could be an emergency situation Okay. That they, and they come to us and they say you know I've, I've had threats made to me um, I feel that this person could carry out these threats and that's just a very general thing that might happen and it can be a domestic situation or it could be neighbor versus neighbor we have more and more general district protective orders and a lot of people don't realize that that there is such a thing that they think that they're all family or domestic related and they're not all there's two different courts and there's two different protective orders but let's say you you need that emergency protection order or we say you know you can apply for an emergency protection order and here's what we have some paperwork that we can let you fill out and we will escort you down to the magistrate's office or if we don't have a magistrate Katie can run the video magistrate and dial up a video magistrate and let the magistrate look at the criminal complaint that the person filled out and see if that's enough evidence for them to get the emergency protection order or not. If they think so then they can issue that. Um, A lot of times it's good until the next court date. Let's say that's today is Thursday. If they did one today it would be probably Tuesday that that would be extended to. And then In order for it to be valid, the respondent on the protection order has to be served. They're not bound under that order unless they know about it. It's a civil order. It becomes a criminal matter if the person violates it. But if they haven't,
0: let me stop you right there. If they haven't been served, then can they be held for violating... So, there's no, if they haven't been served, then there's no violation which would result in a criminal charge.
1: But if they do something that's against the law, they could be charged with that.
0: They'd just be straight on charged with a crime. Gotcha. Okay. So, all right. So, can I continue on? So,
1: let's say they're served with the order and before Tuesday morning, they reach out to this victim by, and right now, social media is a way Mm -hmm. that people are violating orders left and right because they're contacting them and even through a third party, you know, so-and-so, send, tell so-and-so this and that. So then they, they say, okay, did, <clears throat> they they said this or that to me, and we will say, you know, you can go to the magistrate and see if you can get a violation for the protection order. If the magistrate feels that that is a violation, they may issue a violation of protective order, which is a criminal matter. And then again, the person would need to be served with it in order to know about it. And at the point that they were served with the violation, then there would be an arraignment set that they would need to come. And depending on their criminal history, the magistrate could say, there's no bond on this, you're going straight to jail. If they have no criminal history, the magistrate could say, well, I'm going to give you this or that bond, or we have seen magistrates that will say, okay, we're just going to let you sign your own bond. It just depends on the magistrate, honestly.
0: And and do you... Uh, Katie, do you serve those? Yes, I do. Is that your your specific um, duty, or do other other officers serve those types of?
3: Um, I guess it's kind of a joint effort. They, you know, if they're working that area, they'll take it with them and try to get it served. Um, a lot of them, too. I do work with the regional jail, you know, because they're in jail. I don't have jurisdiction to go over there and serve them, so yeah. we'll fax it to the jail. The jail gets it served. You know that's quite often that it happens that way.
0: So that so it it comes back to the jail and then the mm-hmm. jail. Yes, uh, an officer p- at
3: the jail serves. Serves it, it mm-hmm. because
0: the person is incarcerated mm-hmm. right now. And when you right. say it's out of your jurisdiction, you're speaking because regional jail is in Scott County. Scott County, yes. Scott County. gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, the when the, when a person has a when a person has been served this then is that permanent, is that forever, or is that based on the judge, or what criteria is that?
1: So going back to that same scenario, let's say that they needed to come Tuesday to our office in order to try to get it extended. We have paperwork that we would, and I'm assuming it's domestic at that point, because Tuesdays and Thursdays is juvenile domestic court days. So we would give them the paperwork and, you know, assist them if they have questions with it, filling it out, and then we would... Take them to the court services unit who tops up the paperwork, and then we would escort them upstairs to the court because they would go in front of the judge and ask that that petition that they just filed be extended. The judge can extend it up to 15 days.
0: Okay. Does this cost? The first time. Does this, the first time it could be?
1: Right. That's a preliminary protective order. Okay. And then there's another hearing date set when. It's a full-blown hearing then, because usually the first time the the respondent is not there. A lot of times they don't know that the person's going to extend the order, so they're not there. But the next time, the other person can come. They don't have to come, but they can come.
0: Okay. So this uh, does this cost a person nothing? Okay. So it's that's handled by the basically by the court. Right. Okay. So uh, the 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 protective order itself is where the court has been petitioned to step in and provide protection to a person uh, uh, from another person or or entity that would be causing harm to their life or property or whatever. Um, Now, in Lee County, um, last year, I looked at the statistics, um, and there was 500-plus, I don't remember the exact amount, protective orders issued um in lee county it seems that there is uh going in and that would have been for 2020 the year of covid um then the in 2021 we have somewhere between 35 and it goes up to about 77 i think in in one of the months uh this year so, we're already well on our way into that same amount of protective orders in the county. So, my question is 500 plus protective orders, that's a lot of protective orders. Um, if we just average it out on any one month or for the year, that's a lot of that's in my eyes. Uh, a protective order isn't just uh, doesn't just have a single person on it. it, could have a person like a woman, and she could have. Two kids or three kids, and those would also be so. A protective order might encompass uh, two or three or, or multiple victims. Um, yes. So you're handling you're handling things. So if we had 500 cases plus, and if they were just single cases, now people are not getting protective orders unless they are scared to death and in fear for something. Obviously, that's the whole purpose of it. So. You got five hundred people out there running around, scared to death for their lives, so to speak, because of some creep that's slithering around, wanting to cause them harm. Or so in that situation, is that is that not clogging the courts up? And how many of those um, people, you know, what is this doing sociologically in our society? What is this? Is it, I mean, we just have people that are that are shaking in fear that we don't know, and how does this intertwine with with your office? Do you you reach out to these folks on a consistent basis, checking on them, making sure, and if so, that's tying somebody up a ton. I mean, that's a lot of phone calling, that's a lot of chasing around, and then of course I'm sure there's where a person gets a protective order and then two weeks later, maybe it's a domestic deal Husband and wife, boyfriend, girlfriend—they're fighting and carrying on and uh, in a negative way. So, woman gets a protective order, and next thing you know, two weeks later, she's back with the with the guy, and it's it's business as usual and everybody's lovey-dovey. But there's still a protective order out there. Are you guys notified of this, or do you? Is it something that blindsides you out of the? Um, When a when a call comes in, because most of the time when those calls come in and then they go back and make up, then there's another incident, and it seems like a lot of how much. uh, Let me let me be more direct. How much wolf calling is going on in this? We got 500 protective orders. We got magistrates going wide open on this kind of stuff. We got people running around scared. We got law enforcement trying to protect them. We got your office trying to, you know. Calm them down and guide them through the system and stuff like that. This sounds like a, a, it sounds like a complete nightmare. Quite honestly, who, how are we handling all of these kind of calls and that kind of stuff?
1: Well, I don't mean to deflate the numbers there, but I, the five hundred I think includes some child protective orders and child po- protective possibly.
0: I'm getting that statistic from. The right. sheriff's office right, right. website where they post those things. And child right,
1: protective maybe. orders, you know, if there's six kids, there's six different, am I, am I right in? You are, in, and that comes from the Department of Social Services. Yeah. And we're typically not involved in those. There could be a domestic case underlying right. all that. So you're not,
0: when you say you're not involved, you're not involved in chi- things with children?
1: The child protective. The child protective parts. parts. That, a lot of times that just, the department takes out. The DSS worker takes that out I just gotcha. a, as a precautionary measure
0: okay so that so you're, you're basically is you're we, handling the specific um protective orders excluding what
1: we could be involved in that if there's right. a child abuse case a sexual abuse case with a kid or a domestic case we might be involved with that
0: I see so so that five hundred number is you're saying it might it may be inclusive of those types of yeah. uh protective orders as well yeah right. So how would a person know the exact numbers? Where are we going to find that out? I don't know. If, uh,
1: the Billy K. Coleman possibly could filter that number out. I'm not sure what the filters are on the SOMO system that we use. It
0: would be, be interesting to know the the actual mm-hmm. numbers on protective orders versus uh, how many are really issued, how many people that involves. Uh, once again, it, it, in in my eyes, it, it, I don't care if it's one or Five thousand, these that, are people that are in fear for their self.
1: The one protective order that we're not the scenario we started with, well that emergency order may turn into another preliminary protective order, could turn into three more preliminary protective orders before there's ever a permanent protection order, you know, six months down the road. So that, that's counted every single time.
0: How many how many how many uh, offenses are against protective orders? Do we know those kind of numbers? Violations of protective. Violations. Orders?
1: seems to be increasing yes yes and, and is a lot it, of is that's it, social media driven because they are contacting them via social media which is a violation
0: now social media in and, and uh, so people know if if I have a protective order it is inclusive in it and it specifically says <clears throat> I cannot have contact with this person right. in any way shape or form right. if I through my social media contact yeah. you and ask you about this person is that a violation
2: well if you say tell her I love her or tell her I'm sorry you know if you're telling her to, telling that person to relay a message I think the magistrate would probably see that that would be a violation or it would be up to the magistrate
0: mm-hmm so
2: It'd be third party contact
0: okay so social media just so it's clear with the general public social media communications communication by phone direct messages that are sent directly from you to that person that's right. under the protective order these are all violations and bottom line is don't do them right mm-hmm. and, and post
2: and, th- and you know if you're posting um, about your situation if you're under protective order you're posting um what happened and Calling that person out individually—that
0: would. What if you got a protective order and it's a person and she has kids, and the dad of the kids is not supposed to have contact from that protective order, but is attempting to do that through social media? Is that once again, if he, is it a violation if the, if the father is asking about the child's welfare or what's happening, or is it a violation if it's just. Um, A message being, trying to be sent as a communication through the child? If the
2: child is on the protective order as a protected party, it could potentially be a violation.
0: Gotcha. So is this something that is determined by the magistrate? Yes. And how much information is being, because there's how many magistrates in our county?
1: We usually deal with two live magistrates here. Okay. Uh, But there's video magistrates 24-7.
0: Okay, so we got we got video magistrates and we got uh, two basically that are handling most of our, our county. So we'll call one, one the left hand and one the right hand. How much does the left hand talk to the right hand? How much do these magistrates communicate? And do they, if, if, uh, if I come in before the magistrate... Um, Is that my magistrate from then on if I violate or something like that? So if I have a protective order and I'm not supposed to communicate with you, Amy, and I I violate that, I may have gone before left-hand magistrate. Now I'm in front of, could be in front of right-hand magistrate. So how much interaction do those magistrates have on a case? Because when when you first came in and got a protective order against me Mm -hmm. for the initial incident, may have been violent whatever it might have been now you're in fear now you have protection against me and i i go before the this magistrate and uh now there's a protective order in place then then i violate that however it is i violate it and now i'm in front of a different magistrate Mm -hmm. so does that first magistrate know what went on in the with in the initial hearing because a lot of times that's where the meat and potatoes are of that case or of that problem or are they just looking at that specific incident of violation?
2: They're just looking at that incident of violation. They're seeing that you were under a protective order and I'm reading this criminal complaint in front of me that you did this and I see that as a violation and then they issue a warrant.
0: Gotcha. And then is that person placed in jail or is that the is that the discretion of the magistrate? Right put them in jail. How how long they get they stay in jail, or is there a is there a state mandated time or?
1: As I said, it depends on their criminal history, and the magistrate will pull up their criminal history and know whether or not they've had so an they extensive could, criminal they history. They could literally
0: be, be put in them. put in jail and incarcerated without bond until until they came up for their. Uh, trial or hearing on Correct. whatever criminal offense. I
1: mean, usually they're going to be appointed a lawyer at their arraignment and their lawyer will typically ask for a bond here. Right. So they could get out. Okay. I also want to say, too, that
2: if something happens at, say, 2 o'clock in the morning, um, a magistrate is here on video or in person at all times, so you can come down to the sheriff's office at any time to speak with a magistrate, it doesn't have to be between business hours.
0: Okay, and, and if a person was to come down, um, then that's a, that's a good thing to let people know. If a person was to come down, where do they come to? Because obviously it comes to the front door of the courthouse, it's locked up, so where are they coming to?
2: They're coming down to the sheriff's office behind the courthouse, and if it's after hours, all I have to do is push the button beside the door, that then rings into dispatch, and the dispatch will get an officer to them to assist them.
0: Gotcha, okay, so and that's 24-7? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, okay. Interesting. So, um, we'll uh, we'll move on to October. October is tomorrow, um, and October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And I know both of your um, both of your departments do do a lot of stuff. I mean, it, it all involves. Um, I know I myself have been involved in uh, uh, with the domestic violence program and helping raise funds for, for quite a few years. So some of the things that's going on, um, Donna, your victim witness that is funded through state funding Mm -hmm. and are, are people allowed to (coughs) make donations, contributions, uh, things like that to your specific department? No. Okay.
1: We can't accept that. We can accept not for ourselves, of course, but, um, I think Amy did. Let's just let Amy talk about that. We did something on Amazon.
2: We have an Amazon wish list out right now. It is on the victim witness Facebook page, Um, also on the sheriff's office page, with some needs that um, our department can use for victims of crime Um, ranges from um, sweatsuits to jackets and things like that.
1: Because people leave sometimes with nothing. Right. We've had people come in with with pajamas on and no shoes and they need an outfit. Or if like Katie meets them at the hospital Mm -hmm. and it's a rape case, the clothing are gonna be taken. So we have to have, and we used to have some folks that would would bring bags that had everything a person could need if they had to completely change their clothes. And she needs that at the hospital. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so this is a this is interesting because your I guess the state regulates what kind of money you can accept and right. stuff based on the funding. So you're saying that um, there is an Amazon wish list, so I Correct. could I could go in and purchase those items through Amazon. It gets I guess gets shipped right here. It does. Yes. And then and that's that's a way that a person in the general public can help your specific department yeah, right. okay, all right perfect, so the next thing is um, in Katie in the domestic violence with the sheriff's office now your yours is a little bit different in that um, we can do fundraisers and wow. various different things, and that specific money uh, goes to helping your department in the areas what like we 're just discussing, purchasing the um, maybe clothing outfits or complete packages where a person in an emergency removal can be dressed and clothed and start getting somewhere. Also, I think it's uh, you know it's important that you know there is you know if a person's got to be removed, um, you know let's say it's a female and she's got to be removed from a situation. Not only does she need to be clothed and have a certain amount of, of uh, Hygiene items for her own dignity and stuff like that, but also where does she go? you know what I'm saying there wow. to my knowledge um there's not a whole lot of facilities close, so maybe you could uh, tell me where those are, so people know but, but the the bottom line is there's there's not a lot of that so then you your you would be in charge of maybe securing a motel room yes. which that money comes out of funds that are are you know either donated or done through fundraisers, stuff like that. Is that correct?
3: That is correct. Um, We work a lot with the um, shelter in Norton, um, but, you know, if it's in the middle of the night at 3 o'clock in the morning, you know, there's, in this area, there's not a motel open 24 hours a day. Right. You know, so we have to go to Norton, you know, to a motel in Norton, or to the closest place we can, you know, and. Uh, lots of times family crisis helps with that, you know, until they can get them into the shelter the next day. But there have been several times where you know maybe they just need that one night till their family can get there to help them or something. And those are the type of things that the funds from the fundraisers go to, paying for a motel room. Um, they may not have had a chance to grab their purse and they may haven't have eaten supper. You know, just little things like that. So, so let me ask you a question. Yes, and diapers for kids, and you know, if you run out in a hectic situation, you can't say, "Oh, hold on, let me pack everything I need for the night." You know, so I mean, simple things. I would say that most people take for granted they leave without.
0: If if somebody's got, I guess if somebody's got a the the magnitude, if if somebody's got to leave because of a violent situation, and they've got to get away, and they and they've got small children Mm -hmm. one two three whatever it might be the children are coming too so now you got multiple Mm -hmm. people with no clothes on their back so to speak it's on now Mm -hmm. let me ask you a question because um if if there's no fundraising no generosity from you know folks in the in the community Mm -hmm. and you don't have no money in that fund then then who pays for it where does that money come from
3: to be honest, I don't know what they would do. I mean, we would try our best to reach, you know, to the shelter, and and they do a lot. But you know, there are some situations, like I said, where it's just a night or something. But the shelter does really well with emergency placement, long term placement, you know, things like that. So
0: does the sheriff's office at that point have to divert funds from somewhere else? Do they have a budget? Does this, yeah. I mean, there's the county doesn't. The state doesn't do anything that way, so they're pretty much out there. You know, this is uh, years ago when we first started raising funds for domestic violence, uh, and I was I was part of that. The um, you know the answer I got when I asked this question was that the officer themselves, many times, out of their own pocket, took care of stuff. Which is, you know, that's God bless that person, but at the same time, they also have families their own selves. And expenses and things like that. And you know, you're it's not like you're uh, you know overpaid and, and and underworked, you know, it's quite the opposite. So that can be a problem. So, mm-hmm. be, being able to raise funds, and when the people in the community see these types of fundraisers for domestic violence, mm-hmm. it's important to know that, that that money is specifically going towards um, it's not going for, for fancy uh, uniforms and stuff yeah. like that, it's going for taking people and basically saving them in a, right. in a bad situation. So extremely important. Now the reason I'm preempting this is because people in our community need to know in October, as, as in any month, but especially in October, we participate in uh, the overall domestic violence awareness. And we are doing some fundraisers. Right now there's an active fundraiser. You can see it on the um, sheriff's social media that is a fudge fundraiser and that is uh, generating money for, for that fund, and then tell us what, tell us what else you've got going on. Um, maybe, Amy, does your, uh, how are you interacting or, or what is going on in domestic violence to raise money this, uh, this month?
3: Um, we will be um, we're planning on setting up a table at the tobacco festival and selling t-shirts okay. and things like that. But, I mean, I can take donations, too, you know, if you don't want a t-shirt. I can take donations, but I just would really like to stress to people, you know, anything that goes to that is nothing to do you know with my position anything right. that's spent out of that account I provide receipts for you know and can be audited on it, it is so that. I don't you know I don't want anybody to think that it's just, right. well, it's just free in money. control of this money yes. you know it's it's audited and receipts are provided so no worries there Yeah and
0: and many times uh, you know just to extend that the it's It's not just a free for all with with money there is money comes in from a specific source to specifically uh benefit that domestic the domestic violence program which mm-hmm. those funds are used to benefit those victims uh per se and that is a completely audited uh fund and account as well as the extension of that is if you go into a criminal matter and there is restitution or uh, things like this, then those receipts can be provided, obviously mm-hmm. for reimbursement compensation back to. I know that all all takes place in the you know the ultimate uh, adjudication of a mm-hmm. of a specific case, but that would be part of that, and that all has to have a, a, a an audited trail and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yes. So everybody knows that. Look, this is this is above board and and straightforward, but at the same time, you know we do need as much as much funding as possible to, yes. you know, it's not cheap. If you've got to put somebody in a motel for even for a night, you know, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's not like the motels have a domestic violence discount. You know, they're they're going to nail you. So you're 70, 80 bucks just on that and, and clothing and, and so on. Now, can a person, uh, if they don't want to, uh, maybe they don't want to just give money or something, can they, do you have packages set up or any kind of thing that they can, Purchase, like you said, uh, if a if a person goes to uh, the hospital, they need a a maybe a hygiene package or something like that. Do you guys have those pre done, or is it just something where um, you know the totality of of money goes into the account and then it's dispersed as needed on case by case? Is there a just way back to that the Amazon wish list? Yeah,
2: it's kind that of. stuff is on the wish list, and then we'll just package that
3: stuff together. And we take hygiene donations too. Do you take? Do you, do you still take?
0: Uh, like I know in in years back, and things may have changed with with COVID and di- different things. But we used to get uh, like stuffed animals for the children and uh, little little bitty things mm-hmm. like that. Um, or can clothing be donated as well? Or
1: clothing donations that are used would need to go to family crisis Mm -hmm. support services the shelter that she was referring to they will pick up donations on tuesdays and thursdays because they have an advocate that comes down and assists us on tuesdays and thursdays okay and i mean i can't say enough about them they're wonderful uh, advocates and they assist with uh, sometimes deposits and things like that Mm -hmm. when people are trying to go into long-term housing Um, and then you know they like the other day met us at the hospital with a a victim Mm
0: -hmm. okay so, in a, in a nutshell, and then we'll wrap this up, um, What in, uh, let's just talk about your department. Um, if a person wants to communicate with you, or if they need information, they can go to LeeCountySheriff.net. Mm-hmm. They can select the uh, Domestic Violence Program. You do have a page in the website that, that has communication uh, place. Um, and then, this month, support by coming to the booth at the Tobacco Festival. Mm-hmm. Um, and keep an eye on the sheriff's social media page for any kind of fundraisers that might be going on throughout the month. What's the one thing if you if in, in 30 seconds that you could say to the general public that would help the domestic violence program in Lee County? What would you need?
3: Um, I guess more than donations and stuff, I would just say more so be aware. I mean, it's not just, you know, the poverty-stricken people that suffer. I mean... It's from the bottom to the top. It may be your friend, it may be your neighbor, it could be you. And I guess, personally, from this program, I would just say be aware. I mean, there's things you could be overlooking. It could be this couple you think, oh, that could never happen to them, or he would never do that, or she would never do that. But it can, and I would just say be aware, because you never know who it could be. Um, And also, as far as contacting me, I have my office number. But I'm on call 24 hours a day, so if somebody calls with an emergency, dispatch can put them through to my cell phone, and I mean, it happens a lot, and I'm there any time. It doesn't matter what time it is. If they need to, they can call dispatch and say, let me talk to the domestic violence officer.
0: That's awesome. Katie, thank you for your, for you. your help and, and everything you do for the county and your position. Donna, same question for you and Amy. If you had to say the general public, what would help your program or what would help, what would be the answer? I think it's
1: going to be the same kind of thing. It's not money and funding, it's attitude. Um, People don't need to to judge and assume, Mm -hmm. you know, that they ask for it. We hear that so many times Mm -hmm. because they went back. No one, well usually people, when they first go into a relationship, they're not going to be smacked the first date. It doesn't <laughs> right. work out mm-hmm. that way. That's not how it starts. Right. And so people say, well, if that happened to me, I'd leave the first time. You don't know until you're in that situation. No. People just don't need to judge and just assume. And also we have this mentality sometimes in this county that because they're on drugs, you know, they're not worth saving and that they mm-hmm. deserve it because they're they're both on drugs. I mean, you know, they may be but nobody deserves to be beat on
0: right terrible mindset Mm -hmm. yeah I agree so so basically awareness Mm
2: -hmm.
0: you know compassion kindness Mm -hmm. um, no no judging you know (coughs) judge lest you be judged you know let's
1: and and our door is always open yes we tell people if, if you want to try to work things out with this person I hope it works out. We really do. We support you in whatever you decide to do, whatever right. choices you make. Our door is always open. If it doesn't work out or you
3: ever need us in the future, yes, you can still call us. We're always here. And that's what I was going to add. You know, all of us together, it's not like a one-and-done thing. No. You know, you come and then something else happens. Well, I can't go back because I've already been there once. I mean, if if hopefully you don't need us more than once, but if you need us 42 times, we'll be there 43 So I think, and you know, a lot of people may be embarrassed to come back, don't know they can come back, but we're here every time, any time.
0: Good deal. So to wrap this up, um, first of all, any communications or information, you can go to LeeCountySheriff.net. There is a page there uh, for victim witness. There is a page there for the domestic violence program. Um, I am here today with Donna Cobb. Uh, director for the Victim Witness of Lee County, Amy Taylor, Assistant Director, Katie Reimer for Lee County Domestic Violence Officer and for the Sheriff's Office. And, ladies, I really appreciate the time. Thank and anything we can do, just let us know, and we'll call this a wrap. Thank
1: you.